This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry. With a challenging economic climate and uncertain weather outlook, the private sector crop insurance industry infrastructure protects over 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Arkansas Republican U.S. Senator John Bozeman next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm incomes plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever. Providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. There's a long agenda for the 115th Congress, and it appears regulatory reform is at the top of the list. Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman is hopeful for bipartisan congressional support to back President-elect Donald Trump's position on regulatory relief. And the good news is we're going to have a president that is going to talk a lot about this, and uh, we, you know, our, our our president right now, President Obama is in a situation where just the opposite has been true. He's very much in favor of a strong, strong centralized government that wants to control everything. And so the new president is taking a very different stance on that. I think you're going to hear a lot out of him. That's going to be one of his priorities, is rolling back regulations. So I think between having the bully pulpit of the presidency and uh, putting pressure on people, uh, we, we simply have to get some of these things passed. What do you expect from this administration? Well, you mentioned regulation, and I expect them on the first day to roll back a bunch of it in the sense that President Obama didn't do it the way you're supposed to get things done in the sense of actually passing law. So much of what the regulatory atmosphere that we're, we've seen is just through executive order or through the uh, ability of the agencies to do things. So, uh, you know, the problem with that is it's not lasting. So this president can come in and get rid of a lot of that stuff almost immediately. So I want to see that right away. I want to see a Supreme Court justice put before Congress, put before the Senate, uh, that is uh, such that instead of trying to rewrite laws and, and just kind of fit into their own agenda, make it such that they're actually trying to do what the people that wrote the law intended. And so I, I think those are two things that are very, very critical that, that we're going to see come up right at the start of the new session. You had an opportunity to set with the nominee for the EPA, Scott Pruitt of Oklahoma. The agriculture commodity groups have all joined in and very concerned about the EPA's waters of the U.S. rule. How did you see this nominee speaking to that issue? Well, Attorney General Pruitt is a very, very bright guy. He's uh, very articulate. He can express uh, the law in a manner that people can understand. He understands the law. He understands that, that the, the way the EPA has gone about doing this, they've overstepped their authority and it's not constitutional. So I, th- I think you'll see him actually, I hope, 
to see him put it on hold throughout his agency based on the fact that, that the Supreme Court you know, has put it on hold. And when you have the Supreme Court setting that precedent, it certainly indicates that there's you know, a, a significant problem with the, with the regulations being put forth. So in putting forth a new regulation, I think you will find him following the Constitution and sticking to the fact that the states have jurisdiction over non-navigable waters. Uh, that's how it's always been, and that's how it needs to be, and, and there can be a nexus. In other words, you know, uh, things that have a relationship to the, to the navigable, that's fine, but stretching it out and trying to do where you're federalizing every mud puddle in the United States, uh, you know, is simply inappropriate. And the good news is he agrees with that and is going to push back, and we're going to get that fixed. The matter is there are regs on the books, and yes. the agriculture industry ask for a clear delineation of what waters of the U.S. actually implied and, and a definition of navigable waterways. Mm-hmm. One, one mindset would be to eliminate it overall. Another mindset would be to start over. Do you see this EPA shoving it to the side, or do you see this as a, an earnest opportunity to go back and, and work with rural America and come up with a definition that's palatable? What I would like to see is, is to get rid of the uncertainty to look at the Constitution as the framers intended as they wrote the law and look at the precedent that's been set so far and then work within that context. That's one of the things that's put such a wet blanket on the economy, whether it's the farm economy or you know whatever the, the aspect that you're talking about, uh, the different sectors of the economy. When you, when you know the rules, if you, you can play with bad rules, you can play with good rules. If you don't know what the rules are, you simply can't. And so getting some of these things straight where people know what they can do, uh, you know, how they can plan and things really will uh, help the economy uh, tremendously, particularly in agriculture. This matter is on three fronts. It's in regulation, it is in litigation, and there's legislation. So I'm pushing the issue a little further here. How many fronts do you see this waters of the U.S. Uh, being discussed on? I think that certainly the litigation is there. For sure, you know it's before the Supreme Court. I'm going to work very, very hard, and and I think that uh, my colleagues uh, on our side are going to work very, very hard to get a, a justice in that will make it such that they, uh, you know, look at the laws it was intended and was constitutional. This is clearly unconstitutional. So, uh, you know, the, the the justice that I see being installed will vote with us in the sense of upholding the Constitution and throw this out. At that point, you've got to do something different. And so I look forward to the agency under uh, Attorney General Pruitt uh, coming forth with a regulation that's understandable, uh, that, that, you know, that with tremendous input from all the stakeholders, uh, you know, going through the process, doing a good job there, and then solving it. As far as as legislation, that's difficult to get 60 votes. You know, we'll just have to wait and see on that front what shakes out. I see the 115th Congress as being pretty busy for the Environment and Public Works Committee. It's going to be busy, very much so, for a lot of different reasons. You know, you've got the uh, the environment issues that we're talking about now, but also the, the President has talked about uh, a lot of public works trying to get the uh, the infrastructure in place that we need in the future. You know, the the American farmer has done such a tremendous job. When you look forward to, to like 2050, 
which you know is a long time away, but it'll be here before we know it. When you when you consider getting the infrastructure in place to continue to be able to move agriculture, whether it's through our roads and bridges or the inland waterways, uh, our ports. There's a lot of work to be done uh, to make sure that we can continue having those in place that have really made us the great economy that we are. You come out of the pan and into the fire. You're also on appropriations and on budget. You're now looking at the finances of the country, that in appropriations and in budget. Uh, Can you talk about this continuing resolution and what's left on the table very soon for this Congress to address? Uh, We've got two things to do. We've got until April 28th to come up with the full funding for the government until October when the new year starts. So we've got to contend with that. And then along with that, uh, starting to prepare the budget for the next year. And so lots of work to be done. We're going to use a tool called reconciliation, uh, pushing back on Obamacare, some things like that, realizing that we have a $20 trillion debt and then running these uh, $500 billion deficits every year that adds to the debt, uh, all of that simply has to be brought under control. I follow with Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack's exit memo. One of the things he suggested was that agriculture is facing headwinds and certainly would continue to need support from the Department of Agriculture. One of the bigger concerns here as we're in winter looking towards spring and planting is operating loans for producers. Did the continuing resolution, did it provide adequate funds for the Ag Department to help those producers who are who are certainly finding themselves in need? Yeah, no, I believe it has, but that is certainly something that we're looking at to make sure that that is the case. One of the bigger things is is that we still have a number because it's complex and we change things significantly. On the last ag bill, is really uh, getting the, the bankers to understand, you know, how the program works, and then also the regulators. There's so much regula- regulatory atmosphere now in the banking industry through the Dodd Frank, which is over regulation for our community banks. They're having to have the same regulatory atmosphere that the Wall Street banks have that uh, really, you know, contributed to the collapse that we had. Community banks had nothing to do with that, but their regulatory burden is tremendous. And so as a result of all of these things, it's been kind of the perfect storm uh, for agriculture lending. So uh, that's something I think that the Agriculture Committee will address immediately and make sure that things are in place so that they can plant and get the loans that they need. Over a period of time, agriculture has given up a lot of funds from the Department of Agriculture's budget. In budget reconciliation, is there a fear that some existing programs and and financial resources might be taken away? Well, there's always that fear. And when we were trying to find funding for the last big highway bill, five-year bill, uh, some money was going to be taken out of uh, agriculture and put in that. The good news is, is that uh, the Senate, uh, Republicans and Democrats on the Ag Committee stood up and said, no, you know, we're not going to allow that. And the same was true in the House of Representatives, Republicans and, and Democrats working together saying, no, uh, we've already paid at the office in the sense that under the new bill, there were significant reductions, significant cuts. And so we said, no, you know, this is a contract with our farmers. Uh, how do you plan if you don't know, you know, that there's stability in these programs? These are five-year programs. And so uh, any anything that comes up in that regard, we're going to work really hard. And I think United, 
again, Democrats and Republicans uh, pushing back on that. The good news is we had such success on the last go-around, I think it really will make it such that they'll hopefully look for other places to find their funds. There have been a lot of really big issues over time that have been pushed back and pushed back on the Hill. One of those has been tax reform. Is it realistic to expect that either in the first or the second year of the 115th that we might actually look at comprehensive tax reform? I think it's very realistic to look at that. Certainly, President-elect Trump you know, ran on that, that, that he wanted significant changes. And then the Speaker of the House, uh, Paul Ryan. Uh, Paul was was drafted into the speakership. His heart is and and soul though is with the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, that's really where he wanted to be. Uh, he's laid awake and, and thought about taxes and reforming the tax code for uh, literally a decade. And so, with his leadership being the Speaker of the House, and uh, and then again, you know, having the President pushing hard, the Senate. Uh, the Finance Committee, Senator Hatch, is, is very much on board, uh, Senator McConnell. I think that, that we have a, a very, very good chance of uh, making it such that uh, we have a, a situation where we're, we're in line with the rest of the industrialized uh, world and not paying these exorbitant uh, taxes. Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Trump both were on the campaign trail in their, in their search of the White House and spoke against trade spoke against the Trans-Pacific Partnership and probably Mr. Trump the louder. With regard to agriculture, exports are important. How do you read President-elect Trump's comments on reform of NAFTA, pulling out of TPP, and questioning multilateral trade deals, and especially giving his his appointees for his administration? How do you read the, the opportunity for global ag trade? Well, I think, you know, it's not only important. It's a necessity. Probably 40% of the agriculture products in Arkansas are exported, so it's, it's, it's simply a must. And uh, I know I'm working every day to try and find new markets. Not only in ag, I think you have to have the, the idea that you've got one customer here and 20 customers throughout the world. Uh, you know, trying to, to make it such as you can sell products. So uh, there's a difference between, uh, you know, free trade and, and, and fair trade. And certainly we need to make these things where they are fair. Uh, there's a tendency for us to play by the rules. We see this all the time, and, and, and we simply don't enforce the rules on the other side. So I think questioning that is, is good. I think questioning the, the deals that we've struck, you know, do they need to be improved? I, I think it's okay to say, let's look at this stuff, and if we can do better, fine. But at the end of the day, we do need to strike fair deals that are good for all of us. Uh, so that we can continue having uh, the markets that we need. In a positioning over this past week, you had the AFL-CIO and members of the Democratic Party holding a press conference there in the Capitol and generally holding the president-elect's feet to the fire, intending on him keeping his promises of having trade that works for the working person of the country. How do you balance this? Well, I, you know, I would argue that certainly the farmers in Arkansas and throughout the country are uh, representative of the the people that uh, are, work very very hard, uh, and and two, those are the people that elected Mr. Trump, rural America. So these things sometimes, when you're on the outside, certainly I, I have such a, a greater grasp now, after working with these things for many years, than I did coming in. And so the key is to educate. Uh, 
uh, to get good people in place. I've been I've been pleased with the people that he's he's putting in place, and uh, we need a, a good, strong agricultural secretary to stand up for these programs and and explain the unintended consequences that you get into. And so I, I think all of that's going to happen. Is TPP dead? I think it's dead in its current form, and, and maybe that's not a bad thing in its current form in the sense it's so complex, uh, lots of side deals that I don't even know that we really understand ourselves right now. Uh, so, But I don't think the concept is dead at all. I think that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, the, the present structure will be rewritten in such a way that uh, the president puts his stamp on it and uh, it's a you know a fair deal that will be good for both sides but the concept of us developing that market keeping the chinese from uh, you know exclusively having that market is is something that we need to do uh, when you look at the number of middle class uh, people in that part of the world it's it's staggering because of just the sheer numbers you know of population there so those are things that uh, I think are very, very important and certainly I'll push in that direction. But it does need to, very importantly, you know, whatever we strike, it needs to be good for the uh, the hardworking Americans. Senator, by executive order, President Obama created the opportunity and more normalized relations with Cuba. What's your advice to this administration with regard to Cuba? Well, I, I think that especially now with the passing of Castro, I think we have a great opportunity. We're going to have to wait and see, you know, exactly where the the new regime settles, you know, with lots of different issues. But I would very much like to keep this alive. What we've done in the past simply hasn't worked. We've we've had a, you know, a playbook uh, that that's been going on now for fifty, sixty years, and so it hasn't worked. Uh, I believe that when you trade, uh, you not only trade uh, goods, but you trade ideas, values, and uh, the Cubans are, are ripe, you know, for that. And so I think it would be great for the Cuban people. I think it would be great for for farm states and exporting. They have to import 80% of their food. Nobody does a better job of that than we do, especially with the proximity. So it makes all the sense in the world. The other thing is is that, that myself as a member, and I, I work really hard to do this, is you have to be consistent. And, uh, you know, there's a lot worse people that we trade with than the Cubans. Uh, you know, the Saudi Arabians as far as human rights, the Vietnamese, the Chinese, the list goes on and on. Uh, so... I, I think the way that we get where we want to with Cuba uh, to have a good relationship and start to democratize the country is through, uh, through having a... That's how you change the world is through, through relationships. We are beginning now the winter meeting season for agriculture and agriculture industry groups. Among your duties on environment and public works, on appropriations and on budget, you're also a member of the Agriculture Committee. So yes, what is the what does the crystal ball suggest with regard to consideration of, of agriculture policy and, and when does the work begin on the writing of the new farm bill? I think the work is, is gonna begin just just right now. I think staff is gearing up for that. Uh, we'll start to hold hearings very, very shortly concerning that. Uh, so it's it's hard to believe, but you know the time's gone by, and it's time to to start to start working again. Uh, yeah. Senator, as these farm meetings are going on now, and as groups are looking at their own policy statements, what do they need to do to work closer with 
the Senate Ag Committee and the House Ag Committee and this Congress to be able to bring new legislation forward? Well, right now we're working hard to, to try and see the direction that new legislation is going to go. Uh, but I do think it's very, very important that, that we hear, uh, you know, the answers to the problems that are out there will come from the farm community themselves. And so, uh, uh, we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the problems with credit. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, we need to be working on uh, making sure that uh, we fix that problem. Uh, and then all of the other problems that we're having as a result of these very, very low commodity prices. During the last debate, there was work to separate farm policy from nutrition policy. Will that fly on this 115th? I don't think so. I, I think that they should go together. Uh, they they complement each other. A lot of the nutrition programs were really created uh, to get rid of excess uh, food stock. There's always a move to do that, uh, but I don't think uh, at the end of the line that that'll be the case. Senator Bozeman, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us here on Open Mic. Sir, it's Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, thank you so much for having me, as always. And, and again, thanks for your show. You do a tremendous job of, again, getting the things out that need to be talked about. Our thanks to Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry. Thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly. 